0: Welcome, Welcome to to the Electrician, electrician Success
1: electrician podcast. podcast. High performance, technical, apps, software. and software. It's all about relationship. Customers just want to be heard the truth. You just gotta be open and honest with yourself and go, yeah, we've got a problem. I let the guys create the culture.
0: Anything that you want to achieve is possible. You just have to break it down backwards from the goal. This episode is brought to you by the Electrician Success Academy. You go to electrical school during your apprenticeship to learn how to be an electrician technically, but they don't teach you the skills you need to succeed in the electrical industry as an electrician and as a business owner. That's where the Electrician Success Academy comes in because we teach skills like customer service, business operation hacks, sales and marketing, work-life balance, finances, productivity and more. All of these skills are applicable to any electrician and any business owner anywhere in the world. If you are looking to take your trade and your business to the next level we recommend that you sign up as a community member and be motivated by the high performance electricians in that group. This is called social learning. This is where we all teach each other something. As a community member you have direct contact and can ask questions to any one of the interviewees that you hear on this podcast. You can talk directly with me, Greg Allen, and you can talk directly with Kirk or anyone else that's on the podcast. And you can interact with other high-performance electricians from around the world and get little tips and tricks that you might not have thought about in your local area. And that's what this is all about. We're trying to share high-performance information with the entire world so that we can all lift each other's standards and be more successful in the electrical industry. So if you're interested in signing up to that go ahead to the electricians success academy.com and sign up as a community member and if you want to further your learning after that and once you see what it's all about then you can sign up to additional electrical courses on there as well. I welcome you just to go and check it out because we would love to have you on board as a community member. If you need to get in touch with me for whatever reason, just shoot me an email at support at electricians-success.com. But anyway, let's get stuck into this episode. We hope you enjoy it and you get a lot of value out of it. Have a super day out there. Talk to you soon. Hey, Brett. Thanks for being here with me today um, at the Electrician Success podcast. Really excited. This is our first in-office uh, podcast and I'm really excited to be here with you and thanks for inviting us into your office and, and sharing uh, your life story with us and what you think uh, people can do to improve their knowledge in the data and communication side of things.
1: You're most welcome, Greg. Yeah. You're most welcome. <laughs> thanks. Anything that we can give back is a good
0: thing. Sweet. Excellent. So um, i like to just kick this off with why did you become an electrician in the first place?
1: Oh, that's a good one. Um, okay, so... From a young age, uh, I was playing with electronics and and uh, building kit projects and and uh, had like little electronic uh, wire your own boards and oh, really? everything like that as a kid. Yeah. Um. My uh, as a lot of people have my dad's an electrician. Um. So I guess maybe he recognised that that aptitude. I guess as a young kid and sort of. Uh, threw me things that I'd enjoy doing, or might think that I enjoy doing. Yeah. Um, then I remember as a young kid, probably seven, eight years old. Uh, dad's business was a uh, just a single tradesman business. Yeah. And I remember going out to work with him on school holidays and and weekends and things like that going to houses and rolling out big-ass cable drums. Well, they seemed big to me at the time. Eight or nine. You yeah, they're doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember a place in Claremont and rolling out the drum of 16mm uh, consumers, main so you could pull it through the roof. Yeah. And I'm rolling it on the lawn and I couldn't even spin the drum around. It was that huge to me. Yeah. But uh, I did it and, uh, and um, from there... Um, as I got older I spent more and more time working with him yeah and there'd be Christmas holidays where I'd go out and spend two three weeks working with him yeah right um, and you know just general hand helping learning and, yeah. uh, and assisting
0: what would be the number one takeaway you got from your dad obviously starting so young in that really your mind's so malleable and you're able to take a lot in especially from your
1: dad as a role model what was the one thing that you took away from that as a kid going and knocking on somebody's door and say, hi, I'm here to do some electrical work <laughs> but he taught me that you would always roll up with your tools make sure you've got them on you you're ready to start, yeah. the customer's paying for your time, they want to make sure that you're there, you're ready to go Yeah. so one of those big things that was beaten into me was you need to make sure that you've got your tools you're ready to go, Yeah. when you knock on that door, it might be the first call of the day so it might be 7 in the morning just if there's any mail in the letterbox, if there's a paper on the front lawn, take that up with you when you knock on the door and at least you've got that to give to the customer. Yeah. And at that time, and uh, maybe it's a customer can't knock back a young kid knocking on the door with a paper and everything like that and maybe that softens the blow for for the electrician going in there. And uh, But that's one of the fundamentals. Yeah. The customers are everything yeah. and he taught me that. Wow. You don't get anything without putting the work in. That's a good tip.
0: I think a yeah. lot of people could use that. Even that, bringing that paper in, or just thinking ahead and going, "What could this person really take away?"
1: Yeah. What uh, do they want? What are their needs? Yeah. Um, think about the job before you get to the door. Yeah. Not after you've got to the door and you've asked them the silliest question. What right are we around. doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Usually yeah. there's something. There's a reason. So ask lots of questions before you get there. Yeah.
0: Cool. Yes. And what was what would be the number one? Uh, Takeaway from your apprenticeship that you'd say, like, if someone has to have this attitude or do this thing through their apprenticeship, yeah. then they would.
1: Okay, uh, I was fortunate enough to work with a lot of old buggers, um, and sometimes old buggers don't have tolerance. If you don't want to be there, if you're not wanting to give them 100%, not wanting to ask questions, not wanting to help them, because we've got to remember that as a young person in the industry, the, the tradesmen all have goals that they need to achieve in the day. Yeah. They uh, are... A seasoned tradesman knows that what they need to do when they get to the site, they know what they need to get done so that they can have a day where they can actually get home at a respectable hour because they're thinking of their families. Mm. Um, so to have a hand that helps you that isn't interested, that doesn't want to show the atten- uh, attention to detail... To even move quicker or to understand what you're doing is puts you dead in water. Then the tradesman then gets shitty standoffish. Yeah. Um. And then they don't want to teach you anything because they go, "Oh well, you're not wanting to learn. Yeah. So why would I want to teach you? Yeah. Um. And that that's critical even today. And tradesmen do see that. Um. So the best advice to apprentice is show that attention to detail. Show that you want to be there. Demonstrate that you want to be there. Yeah. Be part of the team because at the end of the day, everyone's part of the team.
0: Mm.
1: Um, if, you're a, if you're just a single man with an apprentice, that apprentice is your lifeline. Yeah. If you're a team on site on a cable pool and there's 20 of you on site, every single person's critical to the wheel to make it turn. Yeah. Um, so all in. Yeah. And you're committed. You've got a contract in place usually with your employer. So be committed to them as they are committed to you. Cool.
0: So r Solutions. Yes. Tell me the story of RM and <laughs> m Solutions, uh, what you're doing, like where did you start?
1: Okay. So so and m uh, has been around for only a short time as R&M Solutions. It's seven and a half years now. But um, it came about as an inception of three different businesses. We started up, and, and the partnership was testing from the start. Um, there, you've got a, We started a business which had instantly forty people yeah. on the books, yeah, and making payroll and all that type of stuff. And you're in the thick of it from the day one, you yeah. know. And you're going, okay, well, we've got to make payroll for all these people this week,
0: yeah,
1: um, but. Tenacity saw through it and everything like that, and we got to um, probably about eight months in, and the relationship was starting to sour between the partners. Um, and they came to me, and approached me. They said that they wanted to not be involved in what is R and M Solutions anymore. Um, I'm very high on morals. I'm very high on ethics. What we say is what we do. If we make a promise. We keep our promise. Yeah, and uh, and that and so I spoke with uh, with the partners, Ken and Arthur. I sat down with them and explained to them of what was happening, and said that uh, that my partner was wanting out of the business. Um, I explained to them. They then said to me, "Look, if you want to get out and walk away from all of this, there's no problem." So they gave me an out on my contract. Yeah, I said to them, "No, I don't want an out on the contract." because I could see the greater good. These guys were very clever people. Yeah. And they were able to pass on a hell of a lot of information. Yeah. So we sat together and we devised a new business plan uh, that would get us through the last six months that they were with us. Yeah. On how it would get me in contact with everyone within the business, customers, uh, builders, all of those people, and take over everything on my own. Yeah. So I I took all of that on board and took over on my own and then kept building. And the business grew Mm. and it grew successfully, but I was finding that it was taking more and more and more of my time. So long days were a norm, weekends were a norm, and I wasn't getting to see my family or or do anything but work. Um, Then it was time to... Take another step and get some other people involved to assist with the managing of jobs, managing of works. Because
0: the team, team,
1: yeah, the team that we had was able to take it to a certain level. Yeah, but then we needed outsiders. We needed assistance.
0: Yeah, I would like to go back to the, the partnership. Yeah, you tell me, like, if someone's considering going into a partnership, what are some of the things that, through your experience, that you would stress that people need to know about the partner? Yep. Um, think about. And how could they make it successful or what should they consider?
1: Yeah, probably the biggest thing is, is the almighty dollar. Money's probably the biggest thing. Um, if you've got a partnership, a partnership will work providing all people in the partnership have the same goal. And it's about setting the goals and understanding the goals together. Um, if, for example, one partner can fund the business and the other partner cannot you need to be comfortable with being able to fund the business and then not being able to fund it um, yeah. if you're not comfortable with the money factor of it and you're funding a business and don't do it yeah um, not worth it. but for the right partner if the right partner and there's always going to be arguments but it's how you develop from those arguments sometimes there's bridges that are crossed that can never be crossed um and you just can't come back from them um Partners require all partners to understand yeah. what the goal is. It's almost like a yeah. parent. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're parenting a child. Yeah, and the child, uh, is the The business. child's the business. And if you're not doing the right thing as parents together, you, yeah, you, you're yeah, never going to be unified. Yeah. You, people will pick the weaknesses. You know, an employee will talk to you about something, talk to the partner and say, oh, well, they said this. And, yeah. And it creates unrest. Mm-hmm. Um, we, yeah, we were in a partnership that failed, but uh, it's only through tenacity and hard work that the business kept going.
0: Yep. Yeah. Was um, what was the biggest challenges that you faced in that partnership? In your circumstance, yeah.
1: Um, people with so again, the partners needed to all understand the dollars. Um, my particular experience was not very nice on the dollars and cents sides of things um, I had very good grip of the mathematical side of things with the business of what it costs for things what it cost to do this where the money was going for this where the money was going for that um, I was under the impression that we were all here to build a business but they were my partners were keen to get the, the benefits out of the business financially sooner yeah. rather than later. Yeah. They didn't understand that it was a long-term haul. Yeah. And back in 2008, it was good times.
0: So they were taking was profit lot, before yeah mean, affecting cash flow? Yeah, it
1: was affecting cash flow. And, and particularly, um, again, it goes back to if you're not comfortable in putting the money up front, then don't do it if it's a if it's a one sided affair. Yeah. Um. But if you're in a partnership in a in a proprietary limited company and they're directors as well, you must understand that uh, there's money in buying out shares and rights. Yep. Um. So there's people will invariably want to be paid to leave something. Yep.
0: Husband, wife, parent
1: scenario. Exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> Good analogy. And and and. and yeah, you need to be prepared for that. It's gonna cost and it's gonna hurt, so think about it. Yeah, before you go into it. Very well. Very well. I thought we had, but obviously we didn't. Yeah. If we only survived eight months and, and their last year and 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 you're sort of lucky in a way, because they wanted to leave. Yeah. Versus someone
0: I've heard of people getting stuck in partnerships and then they just hate right. each other. And they can't get out. Correct.
1: And it's. And they're stuck until the day they die. Yeah. Um, or they both get out simultaneously. Awesome.
0: All right. So what we're going to do now is move into, um, your specialty. So your specialty, Internet of Things, data, communication, fiber, all that is your specialty. It's where you, uh, dominate the market. Um, and so what I'm hoping to get out of you right now is, um, if you were to train me, say if I knew nothing yeah. at all about data <clears throat> communication work at all, uh, or someone that doesn't know anything about it, what would be your 12, you had 12 weeks before you we went into a competition where I could win a million dollars, or we could win a million dollars.
1: Oh, we get, do we, we get an equal we get, share? We get an equal Is share. Is it a partnership, Greg? It's a partnership. Oh, geez. <laughs> okay, we might have to revisit that one. <laughs> you have all the money, okay? So. <laughs> no, no, I don't want all the money. I'm not greedy. <laughs> you, you get all the money. <laughs> this is
0: this is your. so you, you get all the money. this is what you're going to teach someone and if they win you get all the money. Yeah. here we go. Yeah. So 12 weeks uh, Internet of Things how would you train someone up for uh, design installation competition um, in data network solutions
1: right? First, Greg, are you a nerd? Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so you enjoy playing with things and how things talk to each other at yeah. work and how you get your TV to connect to the internet. Yeah, and newest app. Oh, exactly app right. freak. I'll exactly right,
0: which <laughs>
1: which we've seen. Um, and being social media king that you are, self-proclaimed, I think. Um, <laughs> but I I myself, through doing a lot of comms work and everything like that, understand what it is, and again, being a sort of a private person out of work, um, I'm not a Facebook person or anything like that. Yeah. But anyway, I've got 12 weeks to train you. Yeah, what are we are going to do? So first of all, you need to come with us for the first two weeks, and I need to expose you to the sites. I need to expose you to the cabling. Yeah. I need to expose you to how we're going to install it. Yeah. I need to expose you to comms rooms, server rooms how everything's connected together. Yep. I need to show you how it all connects together. I need to show you how it all talks. I need to give you a background on how this system will only work at this speed. I need to give you a background how this system will get you to this speed. Yeah. I need to show you all of that type of stuff in a large environment so that you can understand what it is that you're dealing with.
0: Yeah. What are some examples of those systems? Okay, so... uh,
1: a large service suite, for example. Yep. Um, so, so you walk into a comms room that's, you know, three, four hundred square meters in size, air conditioned service suite. There's a hell of a lot going on there. <laughs> There's a lot of information. Um, what does it do? How does it all get out? How does it get to the remote terminals? How does it get to that person that's sitting on a desk a thousand kilometers away? As it gets to the person on the desk, it's sitting just on the other side of the wall. Yeah. Um, It's showing you all of that type of stuff, that backbone, that infrastructure, how it communicates from this point to this point. Why we're going to use this type of infrastructure to get us from this point to this point. Yeah. Why we're now going to change it out to go to this type of infrastructure to get you to the final location.
0: Yep, And what's... Um, What's the, sorry, uh, what's the basic infrastructure rundown so if you can give me a basic okay problem.
1: so a, a basic a basic system is going to have uh, your incoming connection to the outside world so you're gonna have uh, what we know as a uh, our ADSL connections yeah we could have a BDSL connection which is a business grade fiber system which is owned by the company, so a multinational company would probably have a BDSL system installed yep. where that's their own private trunk between their server suite and their satellite offices. Mm-hmm. Um, then we've got MBN that's going in, which we're all aware, um, which is going to be creating hopefully better speeds of internet through to everyone. So you need your connection to the outside world, that's primary. The second thing that you need is a way of sending that data around that site. So on a local site, you'd probably have an uh, Ethernet switch in the, in your communications yep. cabinet. Um, always try and put it in a cabinet, put it somewhere safe, somewhere where it's not going to be open to damage or power failures, power spikes. Protect it because it's usually expensive equipment yeah. and and downtime it costs money. Yep. From there, you've got your cabling, which then goes out to your PCs or your... Way that you go connect to the to your system, um, you could have it going to a wireless access point, which allows your mobile devices to be connected, your yeah. uh, laptops, anything that needs a wireless connection. Yeah. Um. So that's your basic system.
0: So your switch is something that allows mm-hmm. the data to travel between all of the points. Yes. Equally. Yes. Um. You see it in your basic router, modem router yep. that you get at home. Yep.
1: So got- your basic home modem's probably got four ports on it um, and they used to be hubs where a hub would not only get your sentence speeds, but a switch allows you to uh, get more throughput on your data and your bandwidth yep. um, and it allows to um, it allows you to uh, how do I say this um, prioritise certain data packets. Yeah. Um, if for example, you're working on a terminal on one side of the office and I'm working on another terminal on the other side and we're both accessing something similar on uh, on the website, um, it allows it to be cached. So therefore, your your stuff speeds up, my stuff speeds up in a larger system. Yeah. It enables you to do a lot of other things. So that's where the switches sort of come in cool. in handy in that way. Yeah. It allows you to connect multiple devices, it allows you to um it allows your PCA to talk to PCB uh, to PCC yep. to your server and everything like that. So the
0: switch is dependent on how how much speed it allows
1: through. Um yes, yeah, so the switches um so your switches are your most critical part of hardware for getting your information around in a local situation. Um previously it used to run at 10 meg, then it went to 100 meg. Yep. Now traditionally it's no no stranger to have a 1 gigabit switch yeah. on everything that you do, but the future is 10 gig, and yeah. 10 gig is where it is. But every evolution obviously allows for an upgrade in cabling, backbone, mm-hmm. and all the other bits and pieces to get the data there because you're only as good as your weakest link. You're right.
0: So if you've got cable that's not able to transmit the speed, it won't transmit the Correct. speed if the switch won't allow it to transmit the speed that you want, but the cable does and it then still you, won't.
1: Exactly right. Always It'll only the go as fast as the weakest link. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so if you're cabling, if you want to run 10 gig around your around your local infrastructure and you've got a 10 meg switch with a 1 gig uh, card on your PC, you only go get 10 meg. Yep. But if you up it to a 1 meg switch, well, you'll get 1 meg. If you up the switch to a 10 gig switch, but you've still got a 1 meg PC... You still only go get one meet. You need to
0: everything needs um, to be upgraded. So that's something you need to consider when you're going to see the customer. You see the cable they've do got they want to B. So now
1: you're going to have to upgrade this do exactly, and it's bit? what that customer wants. Um, most of the time, it's about giving them the option. Yeah, um, most customers will be open to options. Um, explain the options to them. What does option A get you? Okay, you get this. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't cost you very much, but you're not going to get very much out of it, and you're likely to spend your money again. Yeah. Option B is going to cost you this amount. You're probably going to spend a little bit, you'll spend a little bit more to start with, but it's going to get you through another few more years. Yeah. Option C, okay, well, the uh, your benchmark technologies. Yeah. Okay, right, now you're not looking at an upgrade for a little while. You're probably going to probably have to upgrade your head end equipment before you do that. Yeah. Your infrastructure.
0: Mm, cool. Yep. Sweet. So we're going out in the field. You're going to teach me all of, yes. like that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'd love there. to
1: love to put you with some of the techs. Um, how to run, to run show cables. You how to run the cables. How important segregation is. Yeah. How what's other the effect, effect like, of
0: seg- segregation? Say if it is too close to a power cable. What's uh, going to
1: happen? You get inductive uh, mm-hmm. inductance down the pairs of the cable, um, because all UTP cables are uh, twisted a twisted pair. Um, setting the manufacturers put a lot of time into designing their cables um, there's different pair twist rates into the cables like a standard person looking at it goes oh yeah it's a cable to terminate but a data true data installer looks at it and they go oh okay so this is twisted a bit more this is twisted a bit less Yeah, um, and it's about stopping the induction of the data across the pairs of cable within the cable so each cable is constructed uh, in, a, in the same way to allow for that throughput Mm. Um, when you get lots of data cables together, you can get crosstalk where it'll jump from one cable to the next. Ah, right. So you lose packets of data in that way when you're moving at high speeds because we've got to remember that data transmits at frequencies. So your, um, your 500 megahertz is not unheard of yeah. to run your data band with that. Yeah. It will increase as time goes. Yeah. Um, but um, the higher that you run your data and transfer rate at, the more important your cabling becomes.
0: Yeah. So what, in terms of installation of the cable, segregation is. Segregation,
1: how you run it? um, neatness, uh, is not necessarily the best way to go. Mm-hmm. I've seen installations where people have layered every cable, loomed it in perfectly so it looks fantastic, but the cut system doesn't work because it's, the cables haven't been put in a random such situations so now um it's the same as in electrical um with a digital multimeter you can measure it at a pair of strappers say 130 140 volts with the light switch off yeah the same thing happens with uh with data ah. so if you've got the cable running right alongside each other there's an induction down it over the entire length so
0: how do you how do you minimize
1: that from that so you minimize that by changing the installation methods Um, when you as your data speeds go up and your cabling increases you start to lay it in a more random format you put in a bit more infrastructure so you might be putting in um, cable tray instead of um, instead of catenary wire Um, that allows the cables to sit loosely on top of each other it's a random format um, and therefore no two cables are running alongside each other for Ah. a very long time Hmm. It's interesting. I didn't yeah. know about uh, that. Yeah, it's it's things, and then the termination is critical as well. Yeah, um, it's about how you strip, how you break the twists out of the cable. It's how you punch it down and terminate it. That is so very critical to getting the throughput of data. Yeah,
0: loose loose connection is will work, but not very well.
1: Oh, uh, with with my guys, and for many years I've been running. If you can't get a wire map right, if you can't get it punched down correctly, the first time if it's a high resistance joint being a poor joint, they owe you a six pack. Yeah right. Because they're probably some of the most simplest things yeah to do and the simplest mistakes to make. And that's fun. <laughs> exactly. fun. Exactly. And at least and at least you can get a few beers out of the guys, hopefully, when you yeah. when you do it. Um but I would get you definitely testing as yep. well. Um so in the first couple of weeks you need to understand these infrastructures, how it all works, how it goes together, how to test how to terminate, how the basic principles are. But you're not qualified, that's the thing. So you can't go out there and do this yourself unless you're qualified. So you need to sit your qualification. Um, unfortunately, it's two to three weeks of full-time school and all you got is full-time school. That's doing your ACMA licensing. Yeah. Um, once you've done that, so there's some good trainers out there um, and they will teach you how to learn everything from a textbook. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend learning from a textbook and then going to site because you don't have that understanding of what it is on site.
0: Yeah, so go to site first for a couple site of weeks.
1: Site first for a few weeks, then we're going to to th- understand the basics, how it all works, then when you go into the theory of it. You've got 2 to 3 weeks of theory which you need to do because you and can't be qualified unless you've got it. You do
0: that as an electrical worker anyway as part of your yeah, training.
1: Yeah, as, as part of your training and being an apprentice, you're learning how to do the cabling. Uh, you're learning how to do all of that. But in trade school now, they've bought that in. So you, yeah. the minimum that you walk away from is your ACMA licence to install telecommunications cabling. Yeah. Um, what you don't get is any endorsements. So you don't get ah. your coaxial endorsements. You yeah. don't get your fibre optic endorsements. You don't get your structured cabling endorsements. Mm-hmm. And they're all critical. Yeah. Um, Doing the two to three weeks of work, if you're a tradesman and you haven't got any of that background, you need to get those endorsements. Yeah, or
0: if you don't fully understand it, if someone doesn't talk to you and you just don't quite get it, definitely yeah. go and do that training. Definitely. So that's two or three weeks, and
1: and you need that cable. You need that training as well to sign off.
0: Yep. So you're you, in the
1: endorsement. Yep. Yep. So you've got to have your endorsement. So your first five weeks are gone, Greg. We're down to seven weeks yeah. to get you to make you into a million dollar man. The next thing is we need to get you on site doing this stuff. Firstly, I'll get you on site probably spending, you're going to have to spend a fair bit of time doing installations with somebody experienced um, to learn the whole part of it, even if it's just backbone cabling, a little bit of fibre to start with, um, but then learning how to terminate and test. You need to do that and do it with somebody that's competent, somebody that knows how to read the metres and understand the metres and say, oh, well, this fault here, this failure is going to be there. Check this do this and you'll be able to repair it yeah the good text can pass you on this knowledge straight away um, with otherwise you, if you're learning on your own you're going to be sitting there you go, go oh there's a fault here okay what do I do I've seen a lot of guys that have gone oh I've got a fault at the field I oh, rip off the whole termination re-terminate it when they could have just done a little bit of manipulation on their cable and it would have fixed it yeah um, but again that's experience and that's training from good experienced technicians to yourself. So you're going to do that for a good couple of weeks. Yeah. But then you once you've you've done your ACMA courses and everything, so you understand phones, you understand that type of stuff, then I'll probably get you doing and looking after some of these jobs as taking over a more senior role in them so that you're now directing people with somebody experienced beside you. Yeah. That experienced person is now guiding you to assist with what you need to do. Um, You're still putting in a lot of work, you're still thinking about what you're doing, you're still asking a lot of questions. Then you need to start to do some of these changeovers, some of these sites and everything on your own. Um, I'll probably start with little changeovers, little sites, little integrations, so that you go, okay, I'm building up my confidence.
0: Yeah, what's an example of a little site?
1: Okay, so a little site might be a small business, Um, and they've got a pile of wires and everything. It's all bundled under a desk. Yeah. And they're using a combination of systems to make the rest of their systems work. So they might have a wide CCTV camera that goes back through the internet. They might have um, a wireless PC on the other side of the store. They might have a phone on a desk that's wired back to a PABX. Yeah. And your scope of works might be, okay, we want to tidy this up. We want to make it into a structured cabling system. So a structured cabling system is where the data cable can run either phones or data down the one cable. Yeah. That's important. And I will always encourage a customer to go for a structured system. Um, Gone are the days where we um, have that need of having a yellow two-pair cable to an outlet. We can run a a, a UTP cable to the outlet and do whatever we need, providing it's set up correctly. Yeah. What it means is that you want to upgrade your phone system, the cabling's already there. Yeah. You can go across to voice over IP. You can go change your PABX if you don't want to go to voice over IP. It allows you to do all that. So you get onto a small structured site. Yeah. You might get in there, you might move the PABX. You might do this. Again, I'd have somebody assisting you with doing that type mm-hmm. of stuff, mm-hmm. teach you the finer points of how to log everything before you start, how to make those faults not appear when you start yeah writing everything down again you'll use your phone probably and I'll sit there and go why are you using a phone because I'll be sitting there writing it down on a piece <laughs> of paper yeah. um, but that's my method that's how my brain works yeah and I see that method as a great method but writing it down so that you've got a rollback mm. then you'll start you'll be talking to the customer at all times because you're going to put all the fundamentals all the basics in you're going to get all of that going but when when it comes to changing over, now the pressure starts. So you are now got to take all of their system offline. Your customer now can't work on any of their terminals. They haven't got internet. They haven't got phones. Yeah. And what are you going to do? How are you going to do it? What's going to happen? What happens if I go wrong? That's all the questions that you need to be asking yeah. yourself of how you're going to do it. Yeah. Hence the writing down. Then you're going to move on to the bigger sites, the bigger stuff. The stuff that's time critical, uh, the stuff that's customers are not so flexible with your shutdown time. They go turn around, they go say to you, "Right, Greg, uh, we've given you a window, and we're giving you this window, and it might be at one in the morning till four in the morning, yeah. and you've got to make that happen." Yeah. But we all know that we're so used to working during the day that to go one in the morning to four in the morning and to start. In those strange hours, are hard, but we've got to condition you to that. Yeah, because that's something of that the job. You've still got to be thinking clear. You've still got to be able to get the guys to do what you need them to do to assist you with your cutover and your transition. If you miscount one one connection and you plug it in the wrong spot or connect it in the wrong spot, yeah. you might find that the whole lot doesn't work or it yeah. has a roll-on effect. I'd really spend a lot of time with you teaching you that type of stuff. Teaching on if you haven't logged it, where it can go wrong. If you lose that um, connection, how to find it? Yep. If it's not negotiating, uh, how will you test that you can see that PC from this part of the network? Yep. Um, I'd be also teaching you how to how to do your fibre optics and fine tune that. Yep. Understanding the different modes of fibre. Um, understanding that. Uh, an OM1 an OM3 an OS1 an OS2 what all the differences are in that so what are the different fibre Okay, so the different fibre types are your OM1 OM3 OS1 and OS2 Um, all the O's in it quite simple stands for optical fibre yep where you've got your M it's a multi-mode fibre where you've got your S it's a single-mode fibre So most commonly used in every day uh, in your customer premises, in a small premise, is going to be uh, your multimode fibres. Your 60, your OM1 stuff is a 62.5 micron fibre. And that can transmit over a certain distance um, up to about 1.3 kilometres, but it's only going to get you about 10 meg down it. Yeah. So it's not... The best fibre for getting a lot of data down Yeah. It. But it's rudimental, it works, it does a job, and the gear to run it's very economical. Then you go to your multimode OM3. Um, OM3 is a laser-optimised fibre, so you can run better data throughput down it. Yep. Um, you can get 10 gigabit transmission down uh, OM3 fibre wow. to uh, up to about 330 metres. Um, maybe a little bit more, a little bit less. Yeah, um, But it can run a gigabit further as well. So the longer the fibre, the less data transmission. Mm. Then you go into your single-mode fibres. Your single-mode fibres are what we have in the ground, so what Telstra brings to our home, what MBN Co. runs on. Um, if you're on a fibre-to-the-home um, fibre fiber Area, they're going to be single modes. Yep. Now, single mode will allow you to transmit, uh, send, and receive down a single fiber. So, hence, you see houses uh, that just have one single core of fiber that comes in, that runs their phone, their internet, their TV systems, their Foxtel, all of that type of stuff down on one yeah. fiber. Um, that equipment, though, to run that starts to cost a lot of money. Mm. You're looking at different equipment, higher rates, um, your OM1 fiber. Is now only nine microns in size in mm. relation to your yes, 62.5 yeah. micron for an OM, OM1 and an OM3, which is 50 microns. So time. is that a lot so, slower? No, it's just a smaller, smaller tunnel to send light down. Yeah, okay. So fibre is about sending a light down and it doesn't travel straight, it bounces off of the yep. sides and yeah. sides. <laughs> um, so I'll be teaching you all that, those fundamentals, those principles, because you're grasping the copper side of things it's the fiber side that you need to now grasp to really make that million bucks come home
0: yeah
1: Um, understanding how to terminate it taking you through the different types of termination whether it be a mechanical splice or a fusion splice Um, I teach you all of those formats because sometimes you might be in the middle of something and you don't have a fusion splice with you yeah okay well now you've got to do a mechanical splice how do you do that how do you make that work how can you ensure that that's going to function every time at the best quality? Yeah.
0: Do you have any tricks like just quick tips on that sort of stuff? Or how do
1: you... Good gear. Good gear. Good gear and clean. Fibre optics is notorious. A speck of dust will ruin your connection. Yeah. And it's only a speck of dust because you've got to remember with single mode you're messing with a hole that is or a conductor that only works on nine microns across... Mm. On the circumference of it, yeah. Um, if you if you have a speck of dust that's only a couple of microns covering that end, you've lost transmission. Locking like half, exactly right. Yeah. Um, so it's critical uh, a clean environment. But again, I'd take you to a clean environment first, a lab atmosphere. Show you how to do it in a lab atmosphere with no pressure. Mm. Take your time. Take your practice. Learn how to how flexible the fiber is, how easy it is to break, how hard it is to break Mm. Um, people are are amazed when you show them and you say okay, well this is the fiber here you go, you can tie it in a knot it's probably not going to work too well but you can tie it in a knot, that's how strong it actually is but I teach you all of that and teach you how to do it carefully in a clean environment I'll probably take you to some dirty environments where you've got adverse effects yeah you've got sun you've got wind you've got dust and teach you how to be able to do that because I guarantee in your million dollar competition you're going to have to do it under all atmospheres yeah now if you can learn in a nice controlled environment and learn how to do that then learn how to do the adverse conditions then you're going to start to be set yeah teach you how to test it as well Um, I've come across guys that have fusion spliced entire sites And I've asked them, how are you testing the fibres? And they said, oh, the fusion splicer tests. If it comes up 0, 0 or 1 dB loss on it, it's perfect. Mm -hmm. And I'm going, hang on, but how did you test your fibre? So what a fusion splicer does is allow you to take two ends. So usually your fibre coming out of the ground doesn't have any terminations on it. So you have a bag of terminations with a bit of of fibre optic cable on the end of it. You take those two ends. You bring them together in an electronic device. That electronic device lines them up and joins them, but joins them together perfectly yep. to allow the throughput of light. Yep. That machine tells you and it goes, okay, we predict that the loss is this amount of dB. You can see it on the screen and everything like that because it magnifies it. Yeah. So th- some people will say that that's fine, but it's not because you haven't proved the loss value of the fiber. So fibers are all about loss, And every single termination, every single splice, every single connection has a certain amount of loss to it because Mm. it's a break in the cable, which is now getting mated. The longer the cable is, as well, the higher the loss is going to be. So when we test, where and in your... In your course that you're doing, you're going to sit there and do loss budgets and figure all that type of stuff out and go, okay, so if I have a through connection, it's so many dB loss. If I have a fusion splice, it's so many dB loss. This cable is so many dB loss per kilometre. So you've got to calculate all of that out and that's your loss budget. Yeah. We look at it the simpler way, we spend the money on good equipment. Yeah. So we've got testers, there's testers out there and our testers are capable of, in 10 seconds, testing down two cores of fibre. They are capable of calculating the loss on the fibre. They are at the same time calculating the loss in each direction on the fibre when you test, and it tells you whether it passes or fails. Can it tell you like where the break is on the cable? It can tell you if it's got a poor loss connection, but you need to go to a different type of tester to see what where your break is. Yeah, okay. okay. So if you rang rang us up and asked us to come out and find a fault in a fibre we'd have to test it with a different type of tester first Uh to find out what the light was doing down the fibre. That tester can show you in a wavelength format it can show you where there's a poor termination it can show you where there's a kink it can show you where there's a break It'll show you where it isn't working at all and it doesn't need two ends to communicate. And it tells you, it tells you if it's going to it's. Yeah. It'll tell you pretty close. It'll tell you pretty close within 10 centimetres of where you're in. You the distance. It. Yeah, yep. cool. Um, so they allow you good fault-finding equipment again. But again, I've had customers specific to me say, we want you to do this fibre, but we will only accept this type of test as an acceptable test result. But it doesn't tell you your loss on your fibre. Mm. And I've had to explain to them, no, you need this to help your desk. No, 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 we'll only accept this. Again, there's a lot of people that don't understand what's happening in and how to do it properly. So they write up a spec that they think is fantastic, but it actually doesn't work. Yeah, okay. So teaching you those things as well, that the customer's expectations, while we need to deliver those customers' expectations in, in that system and in that network, we might not be doing it with the right equipment. Mm. So we need to explain... To you, the importance of using that type of equipment, so that you can then relate that to your customer, and
0: educate the customer on the exactly way right, of doing things. and
1: say, "Look, yeah, we know that you want this. We can provide this test for you, but it's not going to give you what you want. Yeah, because remember, it all comes down to your loss budget with fiber. Yeah, if you've got too much loss in light, the signal doesn't get there. It yeah. doesn't send. It doesn't receive. Yeah, and that's that is what I'd be spending a lot of time with you. You need to spend a couple of weeks on that as well. Yep, yeah. and." Once you're doing that and you're able to do all of those things and go out and and do that, you're ready for your million-dollar competition. Be any cool,
0: awesome. And uh, what if I only had eight weeks to do that? What would you change in that course? Obviously, the three yep. weeks of training would stay the same.
1: Yeah, you still got your three weeks of training, but now I'd be sort of saying we still need to fit a lot of that in. Um, basically, the experience on site is where it's going to really take you down. Yeah. So straight away, I'd turn around and say, okay, Greg your night school now you're not going to be able to have those three weeks during the day to do it
0: yeah
1: I need to enroll you in night school and we need to start that probably hopefully the first week in yeah we need to give you a really good ground in the first few days mm-hmm. so that you understand it and now uh, your studies are really going to impact on how you come out at the end of it yeah um then we're going to have to lose a week somewhere in our, um, in our on-site. So yeah. we're going to have to upscale it. Maybe we might get you involved in a bit of uh, after-hours shutdowns yeah. earlier. Just to get some extra time in. Yeah, just to get that extra time in. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we learn a lot of things during the day, but in an environment where we're under pressure, we don't learn it. In an environment where we're not under pressure we don't learn as much as what we can when we're under pressure yeah. to get something done. Yeah. So if we we've just got to get you into that pressurized so still. Situation still thing.
0: achievable. We just need to pressurise it, compress it
1: and make it happen. Exactly. And I'd be evaluating you almost daily on how you're handling with things. Yeah. Um, that's a critical thing because again if you're not if you're missing one critical step in it in that day and we've glossed over it and you're now doing it because we've had to condense our time. Yeah, that might be the critical, and that might do us out of the day.
0: Yeah, cool. So,
1: yeah, we'd we'd have to condense. Cool, A lot of hard work, my friend.
0: No, sounds good. Excellent. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Um, so moving on. Uh, just one. While we're talking about training, yeah. so what's the process you go through when looking for a staff member to join R M Solutions, and also how do you, once you've chosen the person that's suitable for the role? Yeah. What's the training process that you go through to get them up to speed and to ensure that they're capable of doing it. So work?
1: the biggest thing is finding the right person that fits in. At the end of the day, we're still a family-orientated business. And by family-orientated, it doesn't mean that it's family-run or anything like that. Our focus is on everybody that works in the business and how the business affects them and their family life. But it also is how you interact with your workmates. Um, we explain to everyone when they're in the interview process whether it be a work experience or a prospective tradesman um, our values. So we've got core values that we set aside and that's quality, integrity and respect um, because you need all three yep. um, to work here. Um, if you don't have quality and you don't have integrity and you don't have the respect you're not going to survive too long mm-hmm. because we require our customers to understand that as well. Yeah. So it's about educating our customers on that. It's about educating our suppliers and it's about educating our employees. Now, so quality, integrity, and respect. And, and respect. We have um, a little bit of a pamphlet that explains the business, who yep. we are, yep. what we are, how we got here, and that type of stuff, um, and what's expected. Um, there's a little checklist. It's like a pre-employee checklist. Yeah are you yeah are you do, do you this, fit into this, this you fit culture into this? Um, because at the end of the day I know that from working with other people if you're stuck next to someone that you don't like working with and they're not helping you to achieve what you need to achieve you're not going to enjoy your day at work mm. we aim for an enjoyable day at work yeah, yeah it's always going to be a hard day some days are going to be easier than others but at least you can walk away from it and go right we've had a big day it's been an awful day, but what have I learned? What yeah. have I managed to get out of it? So we're looking for those people. Cool. Our apprentices are important to us, so they need to want to be here. If they don't want to be here, then we don't really want to have them as a trainee, yeah. um, because then we're putting out somebody that doesn't want to be committed to the industry. Yeah. Um, so that that's how we go about so how do you find people.
0: those people that want to be at work when you're just in an interview process what's the how do you just get a feeling or
1: yeah we just get a feeling usually it's um, usually we try and have more than two at least two people interviewing um, because that helps yeah um, what one person might pick up on another person might not yeah and then it's a, it's a talk about it um, about how they'll suit we'll look for word of mouth as well Yep. We'll look at um, how that person can interact, whether they're an introvert, an extrovert. Yeah. Those types of things. Personality types. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and don't get me wrong, it takes all different personalities to make a business grow. Yep. Um, you can't have all extroverts because you won't get a lot of things done. Sometimes, you know, you've got to have the introverts that are happy to... Sit with themselves and pass that on. They might be quietly spoken, but geez, that they, customer, their customer relationship skills are fantastic. Yeah, um, and it's especially with the tradesmen; it's understanding what their skill levels are, and sometimes a lot of that's very hard to get out of an interview. Mm. Um, then, when they've got a job and they're successful, they're usually monitored for the first week. Uh, side by side with another experienced tradesman where we rely on a lot of our tradesmen once we've inducted them into the business, our seasoned tradesmen are, are people that are helping them to learn their day uh, and assessing them exactly right. Ability. Um because I can give them so much but I give them so much from my point of view. Mm. But they're not doing what I do. Yeah. They're doing something different. Yeah. So that their key tradesmen are now are critical things to our growth. Yep. So that's why everybody is valuable in their own way. So they'll go out with the key tradesmen. They'll go out with... Peer-to-peer learning. People.
0: Yep. Peer-to-peer
1: learning. Understanding our systems. Understanding why we do what we do and how we do it and why we manage it that way.
0: Yes. Do you think it's really important to make sure that those tradesmen you're sending them out with think like you do in terms of Correct. what's required Correct. and expectations?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. The expectations, they... The tradesmen they work with um, understand the, the expectations, and they convey those across. Yeah, and once that's conveyed across, they generally they're monitored. Um, if they're depending on where they're where they're working within the business, mm-hmm. um, again, uh, the service-based side of things is a lot more difficult because it's understanding and learning customers. And some of these guys that are with us have been with us for within the business for 22, 23 years, so they know everything about. Certain customers and certain jobs yeah. that have carried over, um, and it's those types of things that we need to remember and keep focused. And we we teach that focus, yeah. Cool. And then we're just following up, contact with the within the office, visit them on site, yeah. See how they're going, and have a general talk. It's not a talk about work, but a general talk. Yeah. Um, it's learning what they are as a person mm. rather than as a tradesman because almost. then we can assist to be you know, you're not going to have friends everywhere mm. and I accept that but at, at least understanding them so when they have the understanding of what your expectations are you have the understanding of what they understand your expectations are going to be so. Yeah,
0: that's a good point It's almost mm. like a nurturing uh, approach to the
1: Yeah to, the- and sometimes a, a good conversation not about work Will generally get you a better understanding of where somebody's mindset's at. Yep.
0: Cool. Mm-hmm. Sweet. So, just moving on. So, just with the um, with your experience, say if you knew what you knew today, and you would have start business again, yeah. what would you do differently? What's your what's? The- I wouldn't.
1: I wouldn't turn around and say I'd do it younger when I was younger because. Again, it was all about experience and learning from other people. Yeah. You learn a lot of stuff from good people, and um, if you can spend more time working with good people and good good businesses and strive to work for that great business that can teach you a lot of things, then going out on your own becomes second nature. Um, would I change a lot of things? I don't know if I'd change a lot of things. Um, the reason being is I wouldn't be where I am today and how I am today without going through the falls that I've had to suffer yeah um the falls are what you learn from yeah um not getting pride in your way Mm. um I pride myself on what I do and I have high expectations on all of our technicians on everyone that's within the business um but understanding that not everybody's like me
0: yeah
1: um they're critical things um You've got to have a certain way of understanding that some people's 100% might only be 90% of yours. Yeah. So how do you get them as close to your expectation as possible? Mm. When you're on your own as a single man, uh, then it's easy because your expectations are your expectations. You're already in your mode, but it's understanding that mode to grow. Yeah. Not being afraid to have other people assist you Understanding business—that's probably your hardest thing. Yeah. Um, if you don't understand the business side of things, we're all good electricians. We're all good comms technicians. We're all good at what we do. Yeah. That's the reason why we've gone into business for ourselves, I guess, at the core end of the day, because we believe that we can do it better than the other man. But it's that understanding of all the business aspects that you need to be ready for. Yeah. Um. I have. You have to give up a lot. You have to give up a lot to to move something. But at the end of the day, if I would change it, I couldn't find anything really I'd change straight off the top of my head. Cool. You know.
0: Well, with what you know today, what would you teach an electrical contractor going out on his own, just starting up? I'll, if you could only teach one thing. If I could only teach one thing. Yeah.
1: Jeez, that's a hard thing because there's about four things.
0: Okay, tell me the four four things. things. Tell me the four.
1: Okay, (laughs) so first thing, safety, don't underestimate safety. Yeah. Safety is what your license is on. You make a mistake, you have an incident, you're dead in the water. Everything you've worked for, your whole career can go down the tube in in an instant. instant. So safety is extremely important. Yeah. Understanding your competitors is critical. Understanding what they're doing, why are they pricing this way? How come they're pricing it this way? Understanding that. Understanding what it costs to run a business. Yes, a business is about income, expenditure, and profitability. But understanding how you get there. If it's just you in a van, your overheads are relatively low. But as you grow, overheads increase. But if you're pitching yourself as that person into that market that your competitors got more vehicles on the road, more staff and everything like that, and you're competing against them, you would win that job hands down. But the problem is, is now you're building a reputation because you're a quality electrician. You've now got to start employing people. So that rate that you've won at is a good rate for you on your own. Yeah. But the problem is, is you've won that job. You've won the next job and you've won the next job. The man that's got four or five vehicles on the road... Is is pricing the job, but isn't winning it because he's a bit more expensive than yourself. Now you've got four or five vehicles on the road, but you've won the one at a rate that you can do with one person in a vehicle. And I think that's a very big pitfall yep. for the guys not point not putting themselves at the right price market. If you stay as one man and you're happy with that, then you that's can fine. make some great money. Yep. But it's understanding the consequences. From going and doing that yep. of what can happen to you, because at the end of the day, you've got into the business because you can't say no. Yeah, so that's probably the third thing.
0: So if you're planning just on that one, so if you're planning to grow, then price it as if you've got staff on from the outset. Just do a hypothetical. Exactly. Add a staff in there. Add all the costs of staff. Your super, everything. Everything. Yeah. Because extra vehicles, extra some fuel. Guys extra everything.
1: Some guys don't. Some guys look at superannuation and everything like that, but it's a it's something that has to be paid. Mm. It's government mandated. You don't pay your super, you are in a world of trouble and pain. Yeah. So that's a cost of the business, insurances. Mm-hmm. Understanding what you need to have for insurance in place. So understanding all that stuff uh, is critical, that's number three. And probably the fourth thing is um, and I've completely forgotten it because I got stuck in the number three there, Greg. Um, but the fourth thing is um, your brand. Yeah. Your brand is your brand. Your brand is you. If you are, if you're electrical, people are going to see you as bread electrical. Yeah. So how do you keep that brand alive? What's your success? How is how is it going to work? What's your lifespan? Yeah. Are you going to continue? In Are you just Doing something to get some money to pay off the house, to pay off certain things in life and then retire as understanding your goals. Yeah. So that's four things probably from the outset yeah. that I consider, not just one thing. Yeah. So uh, that's awesome. Sorry about that, mate. But no, yeah.
0: four. That's And they're really, really good points as well. they really, really good points. Um, so finally, is there anything else that you would like to share with the industry that you feel as uh, people should be aware of, if uh, as an electrician, as a contractor, as an industry representative, yeah. what are some things that people I, could take away?
1: I think the the industry in itself in, in all over um, an electrician doesn't talk to an electrician. You don't. You everyone's very cagey about what they do in business and how they do it and everything like that. Um, And talking to other electrical contractors, as as I get to, on a daily basis, a lot of guys, everyone's in the same position. Everyone's had to get somewhere to get somewhere. Yeah. But it's not being afraid to talk to other people because sometimes you can have the best listening ears in the world. You can have a business coach that understands your business as such, but at the end of the day... If you're not talking to somebody that's in the industry and able to be talked to, um, I think that's the biggest downfall. It's having those people there that you can share experiences with. You don't have to go into the dollars and cents or anything like that, but it's sharing the experiences. Yeah. Um, you know, um, there might be bad payers out there. If you don't share that with someone, are yeah. you doing them a disfavor? Would you like to see somebody not share that information with you and say, oh? before you go down that road of of engaging yourself with that customer, they haven't paid us for six months. Yeah. It took six months for us to get our money. Yeah. If every electrical contractor spoke and talked like that, I think that we'd be in a fan in a better industry yeah. in WA and in Australia. Yeah. And getting out and seeing the contractors is is the best bit. Yeah. You know, seeing your seeing your like minded friends.
0: Yeah. Right? Well that's honestly that's why I, the Electrician Success Podcast and the Academy, yep. that's sort of like one of my biggest, uh, most valuable experiences is when I go to conference. So, Master yep. Electrician's Conference, Yep. go there, I've got a world of troubles, and you know it's not in the business sessions where you learn everything, it's when you're out afterwards drinking and yeah, having a good yeah, time, with having all a time with the contractors, but you just, yeah. you're like, you know what, I'm really struggling with this, and they're like, well, I've, yeah, I've been through that, and this is yeah. what you have to do, and all
1: of a sudden, you just walk away. With all these tips, exactly, and you know, you're not you're not having to divulge what your business is. Yeah, it's the tips and other people's downfall. People are more than happy to share a failure with you. Yeah, if they got out the other side and and survived it, they will share it every day of the week so that they yeah. can ensure that another person doesn't fail. Yeah, and do the same steps.
0: I guess I wanted it with these interviews and wanted to be able to bring that conversational style. Yeah. Um, Conversation to everyone, it mimics like if someone needs to go and get their specific uh, situation and talk to that with another contractor, then they should definitely.
1: Yeah, Um, 100%.
0: While we're talking about mistakes, what would you say one of your biggest mistakes has been in business that others could learn from
1: and try and prevent? Trusting customers when they say they're going to pay you. If they say they're going to pay you and they still haven't, paid you and you're thinking should I continue doing work so you might be on a construction project you might have a lot of money secured with them and don't be afraid to pull your labour back but understand your contract yeah understand how you're contractually obliged to them Mm -hmm. and how they're contractually obliged to you get good advice yeah so a place people can go to
0: for good advice yes
1: yeah so look uh, being a member of, uh, of an organisation like Master Electricians um, is fantastic. Um, I've used their legal teams, their contracts um, for employment contracts. I've used their teams. I've used their um, hotlines for uh, wiring rules and, yeah. and standards. I've used their facilities so much. Um, part of being a member of MEA... Um, I have, we've got a safety system, and without that safety system, we wouldn't have been able to expand the business to what it is now, because it's allowed us to get in front of other contracts that we would not normally be exposed to, yeah. being a smaller business. Yeah. Industry member. Yeah. Get on board, get involved in it. Um, and it's not about just being a member. Um, it's about trying to be more than just a member, because at the end of the day, we need to give back. Yeah. Right? So... Yep. That's my biggest advice to anyone. Yeah. Do that. Cool. Get involved. Yeah. Talk to talk to the poor sad contractors that have been doing it for years and understand why and yep. how. Yep. And then they can help you. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Um,
0: cool. Well, thank you so much for your time, Brett. It's been Absolutely. awesome talking to you. Yeah. Um, definitely inspiration to listen to your talk. Um and about your journey through business and all the things that you shared today. It's yeah. It's very valuable. I think a lot of people are going to benefit from it. So thanks.
1: Well, I hope they do. And any questions? Cheers. Come on through. Thank you very so, much. So where can
0: people contact you? And you're you happy for people to contact you if there's yeah, any questions. Yeah, or give anything?
1: us a call. Give us a call or an um, email. Or an email. Or email. On. Um yeah, more than happy. If I take a little bit of time to get back to your response, don't worry. Uh, it's uh, part of running a, running and running a bit of a business. You have a lot of stuff to do and lots of uh, yeah. burning bridges every day. Um, but eventually you get in contact with everyone again and, yeah. and come out of it and a smile on your face. Cool. Awesome. Alright, thanks. No worries. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.
0: This episode is brought to you by The Electrician Success Academy. You go to electrical school during your apprenticeship to learn how to be an electrician technically, but they don't teach you the skills you need to succeed in the electrical industry as an electrician and as a business owner. That's where the Electrician Success Academy comes in because we teach skills like customer service, business operation hacks, sales and marketing, work-life balance, finances, productivity and more. All of these skills are applicable to any electrician and any business owner anywhere in the world if you are looking to take your trade and your business to the next level we recommend that you sign up as a community member and be motivated by the high-performance electricians in that group this is called social learning this is where we all teach each other something as a community member you have direct contact and can ask questions to any one of the interviewees that you hear on this podcast. You can talk directly with me, Greg Allen, and you can talk directly with Kirk or anyone else that's on the podcast. And you can interact with other high-performance electricians from around the world and get little tips and tricks that you might not have thought about in your local area. And that's what this is all about. We're trying to share high-performance information with entire world so that we can all lift each other's standards and be more successful in the electrical industry so if you're interested in in signing up to that go ahead to the electricians-success-academy.com and sign up as a community member and if you want to further your learning after that and once you see what it's all about then you can sign up to additional electrical courses on there as well i welcome you just to go and check it out because we would love to have you on board as a community member. If you need to get in touch with me for whatever reason, just shoot me an email at support at electricians-success.com. But anyway, let's get stuck into this episode. We hope you enjoy it and you get a lot of value out of it. Have a super day out there. Talk to you soon.